I don't know if this works. I don't know if any of this works, actually. I don't know if I am just living in a fantasy world where this is a viable thing for me to do. It never seems to work. It never seems like uh, like any... Uh, it's just, just a bad setup. I have a bad setup, and I don't understand how computers work. It's basically the thing. Hi, I'm Phil Gonzalez, and this is uh, Deep in Bear Country, a little podcasty that I do uh, about the Berenstain Bears. And I'm doing another live broadcast because this is a book... Not that I think people have to see to understand, but it was such a pleasure to do it last week that I thought I'll do it again. I'll do it again. I have lunch, my lunch break going on, so uh, I have a little time. And I mean, this is this isn't a visually stimulating book like the last one was, but I I think it's I think it's worth taking a look at. Uh, so what's going on? Uh, is this this isn't even the way I normally start this kind of thing. This isn't. I mean, I, I'm usually, I usually start off my, my books by reading a quote. And so I'm going to read the quote for this one now, whereas I should have probably done it at the top of the episode. Uh, the, the quote is, let the wise listen and add to their learning. That is Proverbs 1, 5. Uh-oh, you're probably thinking to yourself, this sounds like it's going to be a religious book. And guess what? You're absolutely Right. Proverbs 1, 5. Now, the cool thing about this being from Proverbs 1, 5 is that this is from like the beginning of the book of Proverbs. And these are supposedly the wise sayings of Solomon. It says it right up here up top. These are the wise sayings of Solomon, David's son, Israel's king. We, of course, don't know where a lot of these came from. Some of these are just pithy sayings. But the benefit of this being a quote from just the very top of the book of, 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 uh, of the wise sayings of Solomon is there's not a whole lot of uh, context to give you to you. I mean, it's it's one it's one five. So the whole quote is these are the wise sayings of Solomon, David's son, Israel's king, written down so we'll know how to live well and right, to understand what life means, where it's going, uh, a manual for living, for learning what's right and just and fair, to teach the inexperienced the ropes. And give our young people a grasp on reality. Uh, there's something here also for seasoned men and women. Still a thing or two for the experience to learn. Fresh wisdom to probe and penetrate the rhymes and reasons of wise men and women. Now you're probably wondering to yourself, why does that not sound like the Bible I've ever read? That is from the Message Bible. I didn't mean to read that one. I meant to read the New International Version, but I had the Message Bible version up. Message Bible is a Bible that was written to be more in modern vernacular, but also sort of cap capture more the spirit of the original Greek uh, in places. So you 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 got more of a feel of of what the words meant to people who were originally reading it. Uh, it's not necessarily a more accurate translation. It's just a a more uh, conversational translation with a lot of more modern idioms in place of the of the especially the King James version. Uh, if you want to hear the New International Version, it is uh, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple. <laughs> Okay. Uh, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. So basically the same thing. Uh, what, what this is positing is that the, the book of so uh, the Song of Solomon, the, not the Song of Solomon, the, uh, the uh, book of uh, Proverbs 
There's a lot of things attributed to Solomon because he was supposedly pretty smart. Like a Solomon the wise. Uh, he was supposedly pretty smart. So uh, a lot of things are attributed to him. But the purpose of these is just to, just little nuggets of wisdom. What's funny is if you read the book of Proverbs and then you read Hamlet, you can see where Polonius gets a lot of his shtick. Like where he's where he's trying so hard to sound like the the proverbs of Solomon. It's he does he he structures his 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 advice in a very similar fashion. And I mean that may seem obvious if you're familiar with both books, but if you're not if you not I mean he doesn't repeat the words of Solomon, but he he tries to be Solomon. It's one of one of my favorite things about Polonius. He's a funny character. In any case, uh, this is not about Polonius. This is not about William Shakespeare, uh Bermlet or whatever they call Hamlet. This is about uh this week's book. Which is, uh, what is this week's book? Uh, it's a fun one. Uh, let me just bring it up here because I've got visual aids. I don't know why I wouldn't use them, but I'm probably going to have to adjust my camera a little bit. So let me just uh, move this over because the, the visual aids are a little bigger uh, than they were last time. I have, I have it more, I have it, I have it stretched, stretched up, scaled up a little bit just so you can see it. So uh, this week's book, School Time Blessings by Mike Berenstain, uh, a Living Lights book, a faith story. This is from 2016. Uh, if you're looking at the screen, you can see here's the opening proverb: "Let the wise listen and add to their learning." It's interesting. This is a this is this quote is you know directly about the book of Proverbs, but in, in out of context, it seems to be, you can never learn too much kids. There's a reason you go to school. Uh, even if you're, you're wise, you need to listen and just add to what you know. Bible or not, that's pretty good advice. I would say like, if a kid asks, why do I have to go to school? You're, you never know everything. You never know everything. Kids. It's 2016. The world's only getting scarier. Uh, and if you look at the, if you look at the image here on the, on the screen, you can see that it's 7 a.m. So this must be right off the bat. First thing we see, uh, George Grizzleton or Grizzlington or Washing Bear, whichever George Washington variant exists in this universe. Uh, they're studying the constitutional convention of 1787, uh, so this is a history class. This will be a pl minor plot point in the book moving forward. So what's this book about? How is this religious? And why are we studying it, covering it now? Well, it is the first week of school in Minneapolis and in St. Paul. Uh, school here doesn't start until after Labor Day because of the state fair, or not, for many reasons, but one of the reasons is the state fair. Uh, so after the state fair ends on Labor Day, and then the next day, that Tuesday, school begins. So it's a transition. It marks a transition. So kids started school this year. Uh, my original idea was to have Mitzi on this week uh, to talk about the first day of school. But that's impossible. Mitzi is not even here. She is with her school, but she is not in her school because her whole school uh, has taken a trip up to the, the headwaters of the Mississippi. If, you don't, if you're not familiar with Minnesota, uh, if you go north to around Bemidji, there is a, a little trickle, a little stream that uh, is the beginning of the Mississippi River. The, 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 the headwaters of the, the, the mighty Mississippi actually starts uh, in northern Minnesota, goes all the way down the country to the Gulf of Mexico, where it empties out in, uh, in Louisiana at the mouth of the Mississippi. And, uh, and next semester, the school will be taking a trip down to Louisiana to visit the mouth of the Mississippi. So you have them at the headwaters in one semester. It's a, the, the school does a lot of 
cool field trips. It's a it's a pretty cool. It's Montessori. It's a pretty cool Montessori school. So she's gone for a week. They're camping at the Mississippi headwaters. So I can't have her on the show uh, to talk about this, but that's fine. Uh, we're gonna we're, we have a lot to talk about anyway because it's the first day. It's first week of schools coming up for the Bears as well. Uh, summer is coming to an end just like it is here. We had a uh, like a 98 degree day here, and then the next day it was like 68 degrees. Bam, bam, boom, summer was over. Uh, and they're, they're eager for a lot of things. They're eager to see their friends, uh, to, to participate in their school plays, the holiday events, and they're getting bored of the summer. And I can say that for Mitzi, that's kind of the, that's kind of the way the, the, the pattern goes as well. Uh, she loves her summertime. She actually had a very, a very fun summer this year. She did a lot of babysitting. She, uh, she saw some friends she doesn't usually see, but, uh, I, I say on the whole, she was probably ready for it to end because school is a whole new adventure. She started junior high this year, uh, seventh grade. Her school is seventh and eighth grade junior high. So she's kind of learning the ropes, learning how to be a class leader. And uh, she missed a lot of her friends. She gets to make some new friends. Her One of her oldest friends is, is starting school at her school this year. So it's exciting. So what the Cubs are going through here in this opening is i would say fairly honest uh kids you start getting that end of the summer malaise things get a little uh you know you're you're done with it especially if you have a three-month summer now not every school necessarily has a three-month summer uh, a lot of schools are shortening their summers and expanding days off during the year i know that's what's like for my where my sister lives down in texas uh and in, i think in houston as well uh the school district's they started their school like weeks ago, like early August, because they have more days off during the year. So it's a, it's a balance. But if you have that three-month block of vacation, it can start weighing on you after a while. So that's what's happening with the Cubs. Not that they're complaining, <laughs> mind you. They've, they've had a great summer, but they're looking forward to, to school. And we actually see uh, brother and sister... Uh, fantasizing about uh, being in Romeo and Juliet, or it looks like it's cousin Fred. I can't remember. They did Romeo and Juliet in one of the book, in a couple of the books. Uh, brother was Romeo in one of the chapter books, but this is clearly either cousin Fred or Ferdy factual. Uh, I know Ferdy is a great singer. He might be a good actor. I can't remember. He's also a great musician, talented kid all around. We also see Honey digging up worms in the garden, and Papa. It looks like he's paying bills. I don't know. He's, he's, he's gotten something out of the mailbox and he's, he's mopping sweat off of his forehead. The sweat may be from him using the push mower. I like to believe he's gotten some pretty bad news in the mail. Um, so Honey is also starting school. This is her first year in school. Uh, she's a little nervous about it. She's going through some ser- serious The Berenstain Bears Go to School stuff. She's nervous about being left alone at nursery school. This isn't kindergarten. It's nursery school. Uh, she's a little ambivalent in her feelings about it. She wants to make some new friends, but she doesn't want to be away from home. She's nervous about that. And brother and sister, honestly, they've got some anxieties as well. Sister is, well, I would say we don't know what she's nervous about yet. Brother is nervous about the fact that his left hand has been replaced uh, with a hoof. If you look at brother, he's scratching his head with his right hand. But his left hand... There is, okay, first of all, the way his arm is bent, his arm is probably about four and a half feet long. Uh, It's bending a good three feet at least from his shoulder. And then I I got five feet long. There's like two feet of of forearm here. And then at the end of it, it isn't a hand. It's it's some sort of hoof 
from some sort of ungulate. It's like a cloven hoof on his... It, it doesn't even look like it's his arm. It looks like there is another cub with a hoof. I just... I don't even know what's going on. It's a weird... It's a gross kind of picture, and I'm going to get move away. It's a gross picture. Uh, the reason they're nervous, though, is because Sister loves math. She doesn't consider math problems problems. She considers them puzzles to be solved. She loves math, just like Mitzi loves math. But she hates history because there's all these things to memorize. Names and, and dates and places. These people that don't have anything to do with her. History is done, baby. It's, it's, it's yesterday's story. And she's thinking, she has this sort of thought bubble over her head. Uh, of the, well, next to her head. Well, she has a thought bubble over her head of math. And it's it's a bunch of jigsaw puzzle pieces that you have to simply put together. And I'm going to say that some of the math, for a kid who's like, what, in third grade, second grade? For a kid who's like that young, she is doing some advanced math. We're looking at some, I don't see, I don't necessarily see calculus here, but I see some pretty advanced equations for a second grader. History also. Uh, we see we see Runnymede, we see 44 BC, we see Thermopylae, we see 1789, we see the Fertile Crescent, 1066, 1492, 800 AD, the Louisiana Purchase, Sarajevo. Oh, uh, we see what looks like uh, George Washington. We see what looks like maybe Abraham Lincoln, Nefertiti, perhaps Queen Elizabeth, uh, Benjamin Franklin. I guess maybe Christopher Columbus and a bunch of question marks. It's a swirl. It's a confusing mess in her head. She doesn't get history. Now, brother on the other hand loves history. He sees it all as like a, a story that plays itself out. And we see like a shot of uh, the, the the classic painting of George Washington on his steed. Uh, we see what looks to be uh, uh, Mona Lisa getting her picture painted. We see, I guess it's maybe Nero playing the harp. Uh, yeah, while, uh, while while Rome burns. And then we see what must be Thomas Jefferson, or his bare equivalent, writing when in the course of what for us would be human events, but in this thought bubble is ursine events. When in the course of ursine events, which means, again, the bears in bear country are aware that they are bears. I just have to point that out. Like, they don't, they consider themselves bears I know they refer to themselves as bears all the time, but they are, they use the term ursine as well. So keep that in the back of your pocket. For what? I don't know, but keep it in the back of your pocket. Now, brother also has a worry bubble and his worry bubble is full of math. And it's just a bunch of weird equations that are all crossed out. Again, his hoof is, is working overtime on his chin. Uh, trying to, I'm, I just, I can't figure out what Mike thinks he's doing with that left hand like you would think he's like scratching his chin or something but maybe he's supposed to be doing this like this is i can't figure that math out this is a this is a big problem for me what's going on with that math this is what i do when i can't solve math i do this i do this with my body i guess is i guess that's how mike berenstain reacts to it I guess that's his deal. Because this, this ain't it. I don't understand. Brother, I don't understand. Sometimes I'm suddenly hit by like the fact that I've been doing this for over 400 episodes. And that I'm still like befuddled by some of these things. But that's a terrible looking hand. Look at that. That's just, that's awful. Uh, I don't know. It's it, the, the hand's so nice, Mike drew it twice. So 
the kids are nervous. They've got their nerves. Uh, Papa knows this is that something's on their mind. He get, he pulls the kids into the room, sets them on a bench, and says, hey, "What's going on?" And the kids are like, uh, "We were worried about school." And even Honey is like, "I'm gonna miss you guys. I'm gonna miss you. I'm I'm a nervous kid." There's a lot going on. And, and Papa and Mom are like, look, your, your concerns are totally relatable. Uh, but your Papa and I love you very much. We're here to help you with your problems. And uh, and Papa's like, yeah, don't, honey, don't worry about it. You know, you're going to be away from us for all, all day, but you're going to come home to us every night. They gave each other hugs and kisses. But they're still worried. Uh, they're thinking about math. They're thinking about history. They're thinking about not being around their parents. What, what can you even possibly do? Well, what can you can do is you can pull out the Bible. You pull out the Bible, not just the Bible. You, what about pro, not Proverbs? You got to have some Psalms. You pull out the book of Psalms because what are Psalms? They're songs. And what kind of songs? They're not the songs of songs. These are other kinds of songs called Psalms. And what do these Psalms do? Well, they give you comfort. Eh? They give you comfort in dark times. I've seen Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass. I remember this monologue. What are the Psalms? They're songs. As it says in the Bible, said Mama, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Because whenever you're worried, you can turn to God in prayer. And you can always talk to the Lord to ask for strength and guidance. Now, what is... So they're looking at Psalm 34.4. What's the deal... With Psalm 34.4. Well, Psalm 34 is presumably David. David has been delivered from the Philistines. His life has been saved. He's been delivered from the Philistines. Uh, and he's he's calling on his people. Hey, everybody, I've been, I've, been, I've been saved by God from the Philistines. Let's sing our joy to the Lord. Let's sing our joy to the Lord. Uh, and that's what this is. Uh, he tells us uh, that he sought for the Lord and the Lord responded. Um, now the weird thing, and one thing that people point out is that David admits in, in part to being afraid. He's afraid for well, what could have happened to him. Uh, but also he says there's no, he had no reason to be afraid because God was with him. And believe it or not, that's a contradiction that a lot of people have worked very hard to, to, to reconcile. Well, here David said he was right. Here it says he had no reason to be. How do we know? And I, I would say sometimes you feel different things. That's, that's my insight. If David wrote this or said this, yeah, sometimes you sometimes things mean different things at different times when you're saying them. That's that's my analysis. Uh, so yeah, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? But you still get anxious. You still get afraid. So that's the whole point of this. Everyone gets afraid. Everyone gets afraid. So uh, I'm going to say right off the bat, nice work, Mike, finding finding a relevant Bible quote. Because you don't always. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Uh, or I and rescued me from all my fears. Uh, freed me from all my fears. Delivered, rescued, freed. Slightly different meanings, but overall, we know what it means. We know that... Uh, we know it means if you if you if you if you pray to God, according to David, if you pray to God, you're not. God's not going to reach down with his magical hand. And save your life necessarily, but you can turn to you can turn to God for strength, 
and a clear mind to let you see your way through it through a situation. Uh, in the New International Version, it says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. That's David saying, like, join me in this. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers him. So that's a little more context for that. Now, the, the message version says, uh, I love this. So instead of saying, uh, I sought the Lord and he answered me, he delivered me from all my fears because I sought the Lord and he answered me by, you know, assuaging my anxiety. He says, the, the, the message Bible says, God met me more than halfway. He freed me from my anxious fears. And I like the, the, the notion that, yeah, I guess if you talk to God and you get a response, that's that's like meeting you halfway. That's like at the that's the bare minimum of meeting someone halfway, more than halfway. Uh and and delivering me from all my fears. He he lessened my anxieties. Like I'm still afraid, but I threw my trust behind this guy. And so that's what Mama to get back to the bear and same bear. So this is what Mama Bear and Papa Bear seem to be talking about. Uh they're not saying this is like a solution to all of your problems. This is just something you can do to sort of center yourself, to feel a little calmer, to bring your anxiety down. Just talk to God. Just talk to God. Turn to him in prayer. This is uh, not petitionary prayer. It's that prayer where you're just sort of talking, talking yourself through your anxieties, talking yourself through your problems. Uh, so they get on the bus the next day. They head off to school. Mama and Papa take Honey to nursery school. And uh, it's the first day of school. So, there's, I mean, every kid is nervous. Uh, so they meet Miss Sarah, who's the nursery school teacher. That's who, that's who Honey's going to be with. Uh, they hand Honey off to Miss Sarah, and she's on her way. And I like that they show them, like, dropping her off in front of the school, meeting the teacher in front of the school. Uh, there's, a, you know, there's, there's one philosophy that says, like, you should bring your kids in. They should, you should be with them when they are, they are introduced to all these new ideas and concepts. Uh, but there's also that sense of boundaries of, like, no, no, the school is your place. Like, this is, this is where you go to learn. Uh, we trust the teacher enough. We trust this teacher. We trust this adult to hand you over to them. Uh, your well-being over to them. And that's sort of an act of strength as well. That's like saying, like, look, you know you can trust us. We trust her, so you can trust her as well. So they drop Honey off in front of the school, and she's on her way. Uh, now brother and sister are off there. Brother can't wait for history. Uh, they're learning about the Middle Ages, knights jousting and sword fighting. And we see this image in Brother's mind of like what jousting looks like. It looks like medieval times. Like it looks like Brother has spent a lot of time learning from themed restaurants, I guess. Uh, I guess he's probably learned about band management from Chuck E. Cheese's. And Sister is presumably dreaming about word problems, uh, but she's actually dreaming about eating. Lizzie's mom baked 58, co 58 cookies. Fred's dad baked 61 cookies. They both brought them to school. For a party, how many cookies did they have together? 119. So I'd say she's probably very hungry as well. Problem is, is they're actually worried 
uh, the next day, the next class, not even the next day, uh, all their worries come crashing down on him because sis, brother's trying to learn about decimals. Sister's trying to, to learn about history. And we got some more, some more history to look at because <laughs> sister's class is on the Bear Country Revolution. All right, stop. A couple of books ago, we learned that Bear Country wasn't called Bear Country. It's called the United States of America. However, that was in a non-canonical book that wasn't part of this continuity. So we're back to where we were before. Uh, Bear Country is Bear Country. Uh, we see images of the Boston Tea Party in 1773, but it's the Bearton Tea Party. The Bearton Tea Party. We see the Declaration of Bear Independence. July 4th, 1776. That's a contradiction of the date, I believe, from the chapter books. But again, this is a different continuity from chapter books. But again, it's not the Declaration of Independence. It is a Declaration of Bear Independence. Why just Bear Independence? Because as we've seen from past books and past continuities, Bear Country used to be populated by many different kinds of sentient animals. Those many different kinds of sentient animals gradually disappeared throughout the books in the 60s and 70s until finally by the mid to late 80s, Almost every other sentient animal was gone from bear country. The Declaration of Bear Independence declared independence for bears only. The other sentient animals were sent out into the wilderness where they gradually lost their sentience. Uh, we see Washington, but not Grizzlington, Washington, crossing the, not the Delaware River, but the Delaware River. And then we see Lord Cornwallis' surrender, but it is Lord Bear Wallace. There's a lot going on here. I just love this. I love the reassurance that bear country is bear country. Uh, meanwhile, Honey Bear is just stacking blocks. Uh, sometimes she thinks about Mama and Papa, but also there's a triangle she gets to play. So poof, they're gone. Uh, and when they come to pick her up, she's almost sad to leave. Now, brother and sister get home and they got a lot of homework to do. And they are just burnt out from their day at school and they're really burnt out from having to do homework that they're not happy about. And Papa says, look, I know that your work can be tough, but you can turn to God for strength and guidance. Let's pray together. And they do. They hold, they literally, the bears come to, not honey, but mama and Papa and sister and brother hold hands and they pray, Lord, we pray to you for help with our worries and problems. You are our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Amen. And they all say, Amen. And here's what I love. Here's what I love. Again, this is coming from a non-religious boy. Phil Gonzalez. A non-religious boy doesn't pray a day in his life. But here's what I like about this book. And here's what I like about Mike's theology. And I know I talk about this and I, I run this into the ground, but it's so true. And it has to be pointed out every time anyone accuses these books of being some kind of weird indoctrination books. Uh, Mike... Mike's theology, Mike's look at religion and faith is all about doing good works. Again, good works. It doesn't matter what you believe. As if, you're not, if you're not doing things, you're not practicing what for Mike is Christianity. Uh, Christianity is all about putting your money where your mouth is. It's all about walking the talk. And that's where this book comes around. Oh, really? I thought this was just going to be a book about praying and finding strength in prayer, which is fine. It's comforting. But there's always so action to be taken. And so the Cubs are like, yeah, it's nice to know that God's there to help us feel better. 
because that helps us think better. When you feel better, you think better. As someone with ADHD, I know this. If things get overwhelming, my ADHD spikes, which makes my anxiety spike, which makes my depression occur, which makes my ADHD worse, which makes my anxiety spike, it's a vicious cycle. If you can bring the anxiety down, it helps my brain. So them feeling better helps them to think better. And helping to think better means that they get to plan. And brother has an idea. You know what? I'm good at history and you're good at math. Let's help each other with our homework. And they do. Brother coaches sister in history and sister helps brother with decimals. And teamwork makes the dream work, boys and girls. But so does prayer, Mama says. A little prayer, Mama says. It can do, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And all of a sudden, we're in the New Testament. We're in Philippians. Philippians 4. Uh, not just Philippians 4, but Philippians 4.13. And what's Philippians? Why? It is the epistle to the Philippians. This is a Pauline epistle uh, attributed to Paul the Apostle, uh, also attributed to Timothy. We've talked about Timothy in the past. Uh, it's addressed to the ch Christian church in Philippi. Philippi? Philippi? Uh, Paul, Timothy, Silas, and maybe Luke visited Philippi in Greece during Paul's second missionary journey from Antioch. Uh, so between 49 and 51 AD. Uh, that's what they talk about in the Acts of the Apostles. Paul and Silas, uh, they are accursed of disturbing the city. Uh, so according to this, some Pauline scholars, many Pauline scholars believe this is actually a true book of Paul, a letter of Paul. Uh, but that it is put together from multiple letters Paul wrote to the church in, in Philippi. Philippi. I don't know how you say it. Um, so the part that we are talking about is so uh, four ten through four twenty is a short thank you note from Paul to the church regarding gifts they had sent him. Oh wait, four yeah four ten through four twenty. But which one are we on? We are on yes. So four ten through four twenty says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Uh, indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Uh, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him that gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I've received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus... The gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our Father, God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. So that's like him thanking them for their gifts. Uh, and so what he's saying is, I can do all this through him that gives me strength. Uh, isn't I can do everything. It's I can be content with what I have. Because no matter how much food or money or shelter or whatever... My actual strength comes from God. That's what 
Paul seems to be saying. Now, what does it say in the, just because I'm a, I'm a jerk, what does it say in the message version? Uh, he says, I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Basically the same thing. Uh, and that's what Mama is 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 pretty much saying. Uh, that they found their strength to do what they do through their faith and through their, their trust in God. That's, that's kind of what she's saying. So again, we have another religious book here about going back to school. Uh, but it's more about confronting your anxieties and saying the anxieties exist. They're cool. Everyone has them. Uh, but if you can find a way to lessen that anxiety, I guess, whether through prayer, whether through meditation, whether through doing something that sort of takes your mind off of it, whether from like, uh, you know, like envisioning positive outcomes, however you do it, however you lessen that anxiety, uh, I do it through meds. Um, it clears your mind and helps you find solutions. Cause that's what this book is about. It's about finding solutions to these anxieties. Uh, it's about addressing their, their, it's about addressing the symptom and then addressing the cause, the finding the symptom, the finding the root. So, uh, because Mike, again, he walks the talk. So this isn't the end though, because, because there's more to it. But unfortunately I'm using a digital copy of this book and digital copies of the religious books for some reason that I've never understood, digital copies of the religious books do not contain uh the end they don't have the questions so i had to go online and find a video of someone reading this book out loud and uh get the questions from that so let's transition to activities and questions from brother and sister bear so what was causing brother sister and honey bear to be worried uh well Subjects in school they didn't feel confident in and being away from their parents. And what did they do about it? What did mama and papa do about it? First of all, they reassured their kids that these worries were completely normal. Uh, they didn't try to like talk them out of being anxious or worried. That makes sense. You're, you, you have something coming up that you're not, you don't feel you're going to be very good at. And you're going to be separated from your parents for the first time. Uh, and they did reassure their kids with love and kindness that uh, they're there to help. They reassured Honey Bear that even though she was going to be separated from them, she will be seeing them again, which is important. Uh, they're not going to be separated forever, and that they're probably going to have a really good time. There's things to look forward to. But then they brought out the Bible, and they said, okay, but we're a religious family, so let's talk about how you can turn to your faith for help through this. Well, here's a few quotes from the Bible. Uh, about finding strength in the, about finding comfort and strength in God, in in the knowledge that He is there. Uh, these aren't answers; these aren't practical answers to your problems. But uh, but this is a way to find a little a little comfort from your anxieties. Uh, so then the next question is: Have you ever felt worried or had a problem you didn't know how to solve? Yes. To whom did you go for help? Ed, my therapist. Uh, why? Because he's good at helping me talk through problems. He's good at helping me. If I have a problem, I take it to Ed and he's like, okay, well, let's, let's, let's get down to the bottom of this. 
what are you worried about? Like what concrete things are you worried about? What do you, what's the worst case? He walks me through worst case scenarios, walks me through possible solutions, walks me through worst case scenarios of those solutions. What happens if it doesn't work? What happens if the second thing doesn't work? What happens if the third thing doesn't work? Not in order to make me worry about that, but he knows that if I have a plan, I have a way out of the problem. I, I, I can work my way out. And to, and to see that, like, eventually you're coming up with solutions to problems that most likely aren't going to happen. And that makes me feel better because I'm like, well, I have, I have solutions to problems that are never go, even going to crop up. And he helped me do that two days ago. Uh, two, two important days ago, I had a thing I had to do that I was super anxious about. It got me through it. So I turned to my therapist. Uh, you may not have a therapist. How do you do it? How did each cub's worries get taken care of? Well, first through that whole like anxiety thing, but then brother and sister found a way to help each other and Honey Bear pretty much just enjoyed the day. She trusted in Mama and Papa to drop her off at school. She threw herself into her work and found herself enjoying it so much she didn't even want to go home. So Honey Bear, good for you. Uh, how did brother and sister end up helping each other? So yeah, that's that's what happened. They helped each other. Uh, that, so those are your basic, let's talk about it questions. But what I love about the religious books is that Mike always has a get out and do it section because he walks the talk, put his money where his mouth is. Religion isn't about act is about action. It's not about just sitting back and enjoying the Bible. One, make up a prayer of your own. Did you know you can do that? You can, you, you can ask God for his help and guidance during tough times. Now that's, that's something, but let's go a bit further. Write the prayer on paper and decorate it. I like it when Mike asks you to do things like this. I like it when Mike is all, write it down and hang it on the wall. It's very, it's very, what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, validating. To see your words written up. I know that I have friends who do fun, funny things. They do entertaining things. They do creative things. And sometimes they print those things up. Hang them up. Make them available for sale. Uh... Uh, my friend Gina has been doing a lot of visual art and visual crafts, uh, whether it says like cross stitching or I'm not sure what all this what you call it decoupage of funny ideas and funny sayings and concepts that make her feel cool. Uh, and then she's and she's like handcrafting these things. And Mike is doing the same thing with prayer. Uh, make it physical, make it a visual thing and then put it up. Why put it up? Uh, hang it on your refrigerator, he says. And suggest you all read it together sometimes, your whole family, so people can share in it. Uh, this is a prayer you say that that gives me calm, that gives me strength. Uh, let's share it with the fam. Let's make it a let's make it a big thing. And every once in a while, let's just uh, read it all together so that we remember, so that we stay centered. Doesn't have to be a prayer. Maybe it's a maybe it's an inspirational quote. Maybe it's a movie quote you really like. Something from a book you read that you find strength in. Print it up. Put it on the wall, not in your private office, on the refrigerator. Let everybody see it and point it out when you hang it up. Say like, look, I hung this on the on the refrigerator because I think it's a pretty cool thing. I repeat this to myself whenever I need to remember to chill out. Here, here you go. Here it is. Uh, two, if you have siblings and you all have homework, I, I, I do have siblings, but I don't have homework. Uh, ask for help in organizing a family study time when all the kids can sit together at the table and the adults and students can help each other if necessary. It's just exactly what we saw at the end of the book. Uh, that's a very doable thing. Sometimes Mike suggests things like write up a prayer and put it on the fridge. Sometimes Mike 
tells you to organize a neighborhood-wide bake sale. Like it just, it just some of the things he suggests are a little out of a kid's reach. This is doable. Say, hey, we all hate homework time, so let's all do it together. Uh, not like together, together, but within sight of each other. That way, we're there for each other. I'm thinking about this. I don't know if it would have worked when I was never doing my homework, but I also don't know that it wouldn't have worked. Uh, Yes, it's a time thing. Like, not every family has the resources or the time to do this. But if you do, this is a good thing to do. Or do it with your friends, maybe, if you're allowed. Like, maybe, hey, can can we get together at houses at a kitchen table in view of an adult so we're not just goofing around? Do our homework together? Like, help each other out? Maybe. Put your mind to it. Uh, three, offer to help a friend at school who might be struggling with getting homework done or understanding a certain school subject. Or volunteer to play with younger children at school break time, especially in the beginning of the year, uh, when little ones may be nervous about being at a new place with new people. Now, not every school allows this. However, uh, Mitzi, at her old school, um, her old Montessori school, would a lot of times go volunteer in the younger classrooms. She's just good with kids. She likes kids. She likes little kids. She likes being a mentor. She likes helping people out doing stuff that she finds challenging or doing stuff that she finds rewarding. So she would go to little kids' classrooms. She would actually help out there. I found, I just, I think that's great. And it's great that Mike says this is a doable idea. I just like that Mike is like, yeah, volunteer in a younger kid's classroom, help out. It's good for them to assuage their nervousness, but it's also good for you. As a leader, you learn leadership skills that way. And it and it eases tensions between grade levels. I mean, she used to go to a school. She does now, but her public school used to be K through 8. And they would make the junior high school kids the school leaders. Like, they would teach them leadership and, like, leading by example. And, le- like, they would organize events and organize things for the younger kids. And it kept that weird rivalry from seeping in. That weird, like, junior high school, like snottiness that junior high school like aggression sort of transformed it into into a positive like you got a lot going on let's funnel that energy into being a better person and helping others be better people and also helping someone at school who's struggling i did that in high school uh in one of my science classes there was a kid in that class i was gonna say nice guy he wasn't the nicest guy he was a football player um, he was having a lot of trouble understanding a lot of the concepts like from the ground up. And I could see that he was having trouble because he wasn't understanding the base concepts. And I felt that if he could just get those basics, a lot of these other pieces would fall into place. So I volunteered before a big test to tutor him after school, uh, just on a whim. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'll tutor you. So he did. And I think he did pretty good on that test. He just had to pass it. I believe he passed that test. It was pretty rewarding. I was pretty pleased to do it. I, I actually enjoyed spending time with him. He thought I was, he was like, so do you want me to like, are you doing this so I can set you up with some girl you like? And I'm like, no, I just wanted to help you. And he was like, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. I wonder what he's doing now. I can look him up. I remember his name. Uh, yeah, help out. Help out. I have been, I am, this is a long episode. I have, uh, this, that's it. That's the Bears saying Bears. Uh, school time blessings from 2016. It's it's the first week of school. Were you blessed? Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, this is uh, me recording. Again, I'm recording this live uh, on video. So if you're listening to this episode and you want to see me do this episode, just uh, j- uh, join me. 
uh, on on YouTube. I'll be posting this as I do onto the YouTubes uh, on my It's Phil YouTube page. So just go there, watch it, and uh, and you'll you'll get to see my shining face if that's what you want to see. You'll get to see me stifling yawns. That's the that's the big one. You'll get to see me trying to not yawn uh, as 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 a part of this whole mess. So. Uh, once again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for listening. You can listen to my other shows. Uh, it's Del Toro time that I'm recording in like five minutes. Uh, or Pizza Toast with Christy that, I swear to God, we're going to do the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes when that movie comes out. So get ready. Uh, otherwise, thank you so much for being a part of this great big fiasco that is my life. And I'll see you all next time deep in Bear Country.